Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vishkana's creative control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Nisa is an ingenious songwriter, powerful singer, and compelling performer based in Toronto, Ontario. Having broken through with her 2020 debut album, Girls Like Me, Nisa has navigated pandemic times by exploring and embracing mysticism, paganism, and communalism, moving from a more solitary, sample-based form of soulful electropop to a full-band rock and roll sound on her excellent new album, It's called Shake Me Where I'm Foolish. It's out via Six Shooter Records on February 1st, 2024. And it prompted Nisa and I to reconnect for a talk about things like uh, witchcraft, mythology and punk, lunar cycles and rhythms, tarot readings, desire and capitalism, 
magical thinking, simulations and spiritualism, DIY empowerment and the state of expertise, band chemistry and companionship, playing shows in Alberta and Ontario in the near future, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. That is the easiest way to support me making any sort of living doing this journalism and conversation podcast thing I do. So if you've been a longtime listener and wondered, hey, does Vish actually need us to support him on Patreon? I do. It would be great if you could do that. So again, check out the Patreon, support the show if you can. I greatly appreciate it. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with bricks and mortar locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, plus a wonderful website, actually, uh, blackbird.ca. You can go there and order records, and they'll deliver them to your house wherever you live if you can't make it into the uh, Alberta record stores. Say you want a copy of uh, Shake Me Where I'm Foolish by Nisa, well, you just type it in, and if they can get it for you, they'll get it for you and ship it right to your house or put it on hold at the store. It's just that easy. Again, for more information, please visit blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from the likes of Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 833 of Creative Control, featuring the brilliant Nisa with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Nisa. How's it going? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm well. It's nice to see you and hear from you again and, and dig into another wonderful record. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, where in the world are you today? I am staying at my mom's place uh, in Toronto. She lives right by the Humber River, so I'm looking out at some beautiful snow-covered trees. And, Yeah. That's that's where nice. I'm at. <laughs> you say staying? Is this temporary? Yeah, it's temporary. I'm just here for the weekend, hanging out. Oh, nice. Where are you? Yeah. Where are you based these days, though? I'm in Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you're a little vacation away from home while you're still sort of home. Yeah, a little staycation, hanging out with my mom and the dog. Nice. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. Family dog? Is it like a dog you had when you were like a young uh, person? No, no, it's my my mom's dog, Thelma. Okay. She's Thelma. Uh, oh, that's a that's yeah. a good name. Yeah, she's a beautiful, beautiful shepherd collie. She's delighted with the snow. Yeah, nice. Well, like I said, uh, it's great to speak to you again. It's been a long time, uh, it feels like. Or has it? It hasn't been that long, but it feels like a long time uh, since we spoke. I I guess we talked around uh, when Girls Like Me came out. So that was August 2020. So it feels... Wow. Okay. Yeah, it feels like a long time in many ways. (laughs) Would you say for yourself, and I pick up on some things... In the lyrics, because I remember when we last spoke, uh, we talked about vocational stuff, what you did for a living, all these sorts of things. And on this record, I can hear you, or at least 
I don't know if you're fantasizing or not, but you're like, I'm, I'm hanging up my apron for good. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Has a lot changed for you? Like it has for most of us, but has a lot changed for you personally in the last three years? Four years? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, the lockdown portal. <laughs> Definitely. A lot has changed. I mean, I've always been inclined towards witchcraft and paganism, but I definitely found my way back to that as like a deep coping mechanism during the pandemic. And I think that if I were to really sum up this album quickly, it is the soundtrack to that journey. Yeah. Yeah. So you say you had a previous inclination towards these things? Yeah, I um I mean, I'm an only child, and uh, so I think only children are kind of naturally little witchy weirdos in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, I, I've yeah. not heard that before. Why <laughs> you, you just need some sort of uh, uh, sibling coven thing so you feel like you belong to something? Is that maybe what it is? I think it's like you spend you spend so much time alone in your imagine you require your imagination to do a lot of work to keep you company yeah and i think that that kind of inclines itself towards like magical thinking yeah. in a lot of ways yeah so why because on the record i hear i what i think are allusions to greek mythology uh, frequently uh or a, mm-hmm. a fair amount and I want to get into that in a moment. And I don't know if there's a necessarily a connection between that paganism, witchcraft. Can you elaborate upon which aspects of witchcraft and paganism you're, you've been particularly drawn to? Is that possible? I don't even know if I'm saying things correctly at the moment, but. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm definitely, um, I'm drawn to it for the same reasons I'm drawn to like punk and rock and roll is because I actually, I don't really like rules. So. I don't think, yeah, you definitely can't misspeak in in my understanding. Okay. Um, so a big part of what I'm drawn to is the like living in rhythm with the like the cycles and the seasons and, you know, the like lunar cycles and uh, kind of paying attention to astrological changes or just quite literally like not denying the season that is outside of you or the season that is within you. Um, and I found that to be really deeply therapeutic during the pandemic when I felt so unmoored from reality. So it was really a way of like grounding myself in reality to pay attention to what's going on outside and you know what what the moon is doing and uh yeah so that's sort of like a big that's a big aspect of witchcraft that has appealed to me in the last few years especially another is just i really do think it it allows you to focus intentions in such a way you know i mean if the the moon is in a particular sign you know you can focus on a particular area of your life and you can shine a light on that area and I think also living more rhythmically allows you to cut yourself slack at certain times of year, especially winter, because, I mean, you know, there's like, like a pagan understanding of winter is that it's not really a time to hustle mm. and be so active. And I think like a more pagan lifestyle gives you permission to actually like go inward and 
do the housekeeping necessary to really enjoy spring when it comes around. Oh, that's fascinating in itself. I didn't I see I I mean obviously those of us who hear witchcraft and paganism um maybe get into a stereotypical Halloween frame of mind, but you're saying this has been a really grounding. And I'm always in a Halloween frame of mind too. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you see that way. It's funny cuz you know, uh in the last few years, uh at least from my perspective on your Instagram, uh for one place it seemed like you were really delving into tarot and that aspect of things is that part of your practice as well yeah that's become a huge part of my practice that's something that i had wanted to learn how to read tarot cards for a long time but that was definitely a pandemic thing because and it was a big way like that's how i spent my time um was really learning how to read tarot and reading like as many books as i could and Um, going to as many sources as I could and like teaching myself this big new thing. And it's an incredible, it's like an incredible discipline to get into because as somebody who loves learning and always like, I always want to be learning. Tarot is something that I will never not be learning new things about. And it's, it's really nice to like have a lifetime of learning to look forward to. So that's interesting in itself. And again, forgive my ignorance on this. And and I also I want to thank you for educating me and anyone listening to this about how these things might be connected or not. Um, In that vein, what's the connection for you between tarot, paganism, witchcraft? They all seem like you, you seem to be looking for some way to ground yourself from reality. Or like <laughs> negotiate what reality means by grounding yourself in alternate ways of thinking maybe is a clumsy way for me to articulate this on this early Sunday morning. And I apologize. But, uh, <laughs> I think that's a great way of articulating it. I really it? like that actually. Yeah. Okay. So what, um, what's the, what are the connections between, and sorry, paganism, witchcraft maybe are similar. I'm, I'm, I've, I've made a trifecta here and I maybe shouldn't have. What's the connection between uh, witchcraft and tarot from a layman's perspective? I, I don't know how to explain that. I think certain people might have, I mean, others might have different answers for this, but for me, it's all about permissioning desire. Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think that especially when I approach a tarot reading with like a client, what we're trying to do is like kind of like decalcify and remove uh, like the murkiness surrounding desire. Because I think the things that we're drawn to as human beings, our own individual taste and uh, proclivities and wants, and I'm not alone in this, those are signposts on the way to living like an aligned and meaningful life that's, you know, specific to the individual. So I think that, yeah, tarot is this really helpful tool to get at desire. Because also I think that the world that we live in within, you know, late capitalist society, a lot of the conditioning we receive is conditioning around denying ourselves. Hmm. And I think that, yeah, witchcraft and tarot are ways of, yeah, removing that denial and getting at the heart of what we what we desire most. So this could explain your invocation of Bacchus Dionysus, this yes. notion of not denying yourself. 
uh, mm-hmm. on some level, right? Okay. You just said yes. a client, so you've turned this into some an actual vocational pursuit. It's not just a philosophical or spiritual interest. You're you're doing tarot for others. Yes, yeah, oh, okay. I do. I do readings. Yeah, yeah. How's that been? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, yeah. it's such a beautiful privilege to be invited into somebody's life and. You know, I mean, it's never the same combination of cards. It's never the same story. And yeah, I, I mean, it, it just is such a privilege to to give somebody this like clarity and hope. Yeah. Especially when they're going through like they're in like threshold times. And I think, I mean, we've been straddling a threshold for quite a while now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So there's a therapeutic aspect to engaging in a therapeutic, uh, in, in, sorry, I'm, I'm conflating tarot with therapy and I didn't mean to do that exactly, <laughs> but there's a therapeutic aspect for a client to seek out a tarot reading. I assume, do they become a recurring, is it normal for someone to be, to become a recurring client for you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. I have yeah. a few, I have a few recurring clients. I definitely, I mean, every, every tarot reader has their own style. And I think my style isn't like, I don't know if you'd want to like come to me once a week to, you know, ask about spying on a lover or something like that. Right. Yeah. I like to do kind of big readings about, yeah, just about making, uh, helping somebody make more out of their life. Yeah. Yeah. You invoked Mm -hmm. desire moments ago and we're getting a little personal here, so I I don't mind getting a little more personal, but forgive me if, if anything's untoward, but my wife commented on some, we were listening to your new record, which is wonderful. Uh, and we have been listening to it for, for quite a bit in the last couple of weeks since we got it. Um, Mm -hmm. but yesterday on a little short family drive, I decided to pop, uh, well pop like it's a tape. I got my (laughs) phone in the minivan to play girls like me. And which uh, I commented, oh, yeah, this was like one of our albums of the year in our house when it came out. Remember this? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, I love this song. And my son's like, when's the swans? Like he he retained he remembered like mm-hmm. it's, I, I thought I was quite touched that he remembered all the songs because, it's you know, things oh. happen so quickly. But my wife commented uh, about the new record. She's like, this one seems to be a little more by curious this isn't what she said this one seems to be a lot a bit more women and i was like yeah i picked up on that a little bit you invoke desire again forgive me if i'm getting too personal or purient or whatever the word is has anything shifted with you in terms of sexuality that level of desire for yourself uh i think yeah you know what i think um the last few years has also been where i've become more comfortable with my queerness yeah and i think yeah i mean i think witchcraft aligns itself with that as well so yeah that's a really it's definitely that's an accurate observation and i think that that is coming through in this album as well and i think with girls like me i think that was kind of i was more at the beginning of that understanding and i don't know if i would have had the I think maybe I had some imposter syndrome around calling myself queer yeah. um, then. And I now on the other side of writing all these songs, I don't I don't have that anymore. Well, I mean, first of all, I don't know if this is the right term, but congratulations. I mean, I'm glad you <laughs> that's that's got to be fulfilling for you and, and, you know, personally fulfilling. I can't I can't think of another way of putting it. I mean, that's a big shift, I, I assume. 
Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And I honestly, thanks for asking because I don't, I don't know if I was even like tracking that as a, a major part of like what, what's going on in these, these songs, but it absolutely is. So yeah. Well, this, the song that, well, I'm, I'm, thanks for uh, saying that, acknowledging it, because it can get awkward when you ask someone a very personal <laughs> question. But since we're delving into it, the song, The Mystery, is, I think, what piqued my wife's interest in particular, because it starts with, yeah, she's your girl, but she's my girl, too. When we enter the <laughs> mystic, it feels like rain on a tin roof. I mean, I also thought my instinct was like, oh, maybe it's about friendship, because I don't I think with desire, what sometimes it gets to be a bit reductive. People assume that it's romantic desire, but I also get mm-hmm. a sense from you because the next line is isolation. That's like just a word, a term on its own. And I know we're going through this weird period of being the social disconnection has been a narrative about the, yes. about the pandemic. So is this record as much about you expressing uh romantic desire as it is, Social desire, if that makes any sense, just a longing for companionship, comradeship or something. Is is that part of this? Yeah, I I think I think it is. And I think also part of my understanding around queerness is that, yeah, it does open. It just allows you to be less traditional in your understanding of relationships. And I think that's definitely a major through line of the album is sort of, yeah, disentangling the idea of traditional relationships or that romance is only for, you know, that romance is only for lovers. I think yeah. romance is romance is for everyone and it's for friends. And I also think another aspect of the album is um, desire um, and companionship is that the world that we're living in, I think we're very, we're very human centric, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think another, another I guess, especially my Gemini, the idea of being in relationship, it doesn't necessarily need to be just between humans either. You can have a relationship with a place. You can have a relationship with a song or a practice. You're in relationship with the art that you're making. So I think in addition, you know, yeah, that it's not even just about relationships with people. It's about what does relationship look like out in the world? Yeah. If you're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I assume in your searching, like, uh, there's a thing about uh, when people end up in hard times, they turn to religion, they turn to some sort of spiritual calling, really, and we're in a strange time of conspiratorial thinking, too, which draws people mm-hmm. to certain ideologies. And that's that can be dangerous or that can be amazing, I, I feel like. And so there's some of that I feel like is lurking in this record of just like, I don't necessarily like the conventional reality. And and I, yes. I need to find, figure there must be more to this life, I mean. And, and you know, beyond this sort of uh, friendship, romance, uh, I think, personal soul searching and stock taking do you feel any like again i don't mean to suggest it's conspiratorial but do you feel like in your journey that you've documented here you're searching for alternative ways of thinking for any particular reason beyond just that's ah, something to do like is it is it a way of also being like i don't trust this i don't trust everyday life on some level i actually you know i think it's 
a way of building bigger trust in everyday life. Yeah, because I think, you know, yeah, it's interesting to compare conspiracy thinking to like religious religion or spiritual thinking, because I do, you know, I think that human beings are naturally inclined to looking for answers to, well, the mystery. Yeah. And I think um, the past few years has really like fractured everyone's psyches. Yeah. And people are people are looking for coping mechanisms. And I think, um, yeah, I think, I mean, conspiracy theories I are a coping mechanism. Not not one that I would choose. But I think, uh, yeah, the practices that I've been engaging with or like the more mystical, magical practices, they've been used by human beings for thousands upon thousands of years. And yeah, it's it feels kind of like going back to something that was working. And I think the dissolution and the chaos that we're living in right now is proving that what we've been trying for the last however many years is not working. Um, yeah, that's so that's the yeah. feeling like things aren't working, whether that's politically uh, in any other institutional form. So there are certain people who question it to an extreme level. I want to uh, read some lyrics from the song The Initiate out loud mm. because uh, I also enjoy this song personally because my daughter, whenever it comes on, just starts singing along. I'm like, oh, you really like this song? She's like, I just know these songs. I don't know. I know these words. I like it, but I, I should just and instantly, as soon as it kicks in. So the lyrics I want to read are, did I really go to high school or did I just watch it on TV? Which made us all laugh uh, right away. <laughs> Later on, uh, I'm just bypassing a couple of lines here. Is this a simulation? There's too, too, too many cops. Every time I take myself for a walk and look and look up, it's just everybody talking like cops. So going back to your anti-authority thing that you said earlier, but also this notion of like, again, do you see where I'm coming from? Like this notion of like, what is mm -hmm. real and who's controlling it? I feel like a lot of that is swimming around in that opening stance. And by the way, that takes us to what I guess is sort of the bridge chorus. Trust the psychics, trust the seers, make yourself a believer, split yourself in two, and then it's pleased to meet you. What's your name? I think I'm in love. I don't know what the, la I have no reading on that latter part turns to split yourself in two but there's this notion of like you don't have to think like everyone else thinks but that has been weaponized like this is where punk came from and this is where i struggle mm -hmm. these days like this is what punk is like all of everything in there that's what punk has meant to me my whole life and now i see it sort of weaponized and it's creating dysfunction and a lack of galvanization whereas we used to galvanize mm -hmm. around these sorts of things i don't know if i have a question i wanted to go on a ramble and i did it I'm sorry, Nisa, but uh, what's your what's your personal perspective on these lyrics? If you can be sort of objective about them, yeah, I mean, I think the <laughs> I guess the, is this a simulation? I'll respond to that first. Yeah. Is there, there's too 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 many cops. I don't know. I mean, I'm you know simulation theory. It's out there. It's a thing. Yes. Um, yes. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna explain it right now. I'm sure others can do it better. Yeah. But I don't think it, I don't know if it necessarily matters whether or not it's a simulation. So this, the line is like, is this a simulation? Yeah, that's sort of speaking to the fact that it doesn't really matter, but we're all treating each other like shit. And we're all like, yeah, we're all telling on each other. And we're, you know, we're actually, we're actually reinforcing a lot of, uh, 
negative structures just in our day-to-day life by not being more community-oriented or more, uh, yeah, I would just say more community-oriented. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. But I think, I, I wonder if there's some... There's a, I texted you about the song uh, Blessed Touch. Am I pronouncing that right? Because there's an accent in Blessed, yes. which my wife pointed out. And I'm like, well, I think it's at least making the E the thing it's supposed to do in English, which I, I just assumed it was funny. Is, is that a joke? Is there, some, <laughs> is there some meaning behind the accent in Blessed Touch? Well, it's definitely to make sure you're, it's not blessed. So it's it's blessed. Oh, right. Um, and I do. Um, and I just, yeah, the idea of Blessed Touch, it's very like archaic hymn book kind uh, of language right right which yeah that was that was sort of the intention behind that and yeah and also it is kind of funny to throw to have it be blessed <laughs> it's just typographically <laughs> funny before i dig into this for a second though you mentioned your sort of recent spiritual practice were you raised in any particular religious denomination or affiliation no, I definitely wasn't. My mom, my mother was raised Catholic. Um, so my background is Irish Catholic. Okay. So yeah, I was not, ra- I was not raised Catholic, but there's a trickle down effect, you know, of with course. Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually, it's interesting. I've actually been like grappling with it. I've been thinking about it recently because my mom, my mom was born in Ireland and my grandfather grew up in Belfast and he was Catholic and my family emigrated to Canada, like the month that the troubles broke out. Hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's like the legacy of like what it means to be Irish Catholic. There's a lot of like oppression in the bloodline for sure. And, you know, I I also think uh, I use a lot of witchy practices and also psychedelics to kind of delve into generational trauma. And uh, I think, yeah, Catholicism has its has a, a hefty load of inherited trauma. <laughs> well, I was really struck, and I'm I, I want to don't let me lose track of Blessed Touch because I had a question about it. But since you invoked Ireland, mm-hmm. I was really one of the most powerful songs on this record is called "No More Bodies," and mm-hmm. um, the chorus, if I have this correct, is "No More Bodies in the Family Plot in Ireland." Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you've been okay. You're on a mission of ancestry. <laughs> And, and, and what it all means generally, like a kind of existential questioning generally. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, definitely a fair assessment. Yeah. So you've been to Ireland? I have, yeah. yeah. I've been twice. Just went for the second time, like just over a month ago. So okay. it's pretty fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresh in the mind right now. Yeah. So what is your actual, I think you, you conveyed a little bit about it. What is your um, sort of personal relationship to that place as you're growing and pondering that notion of who you are, where you come from, where you're going? What, how does Ireland kind of play a role in everything we've been talking about, maybe? Is it possible to summarize that? Or Yeah, I, I can certainly try. I think, yeah, I mean, it was my, my Irish grandfather. I, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up, so oh, okay. I feel like there was a lot of Irishness in the house musically and yeah, music and stories and fairy tales and just, yeah. I mean, I've always, I've been drawn to it since I was a small child and I was definitely encouraged to be drawn to it. And it's like always had a place in my heart even before I actually got there. 
Yeah, and I wrote No More Bodies before before I'd even been. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, the idea of specifically No More Bodies, it's the idea of um, yeah, the the pain of not being where your people come from. Yeah. Um, and I think most of us are dealing with that. Well, I think yeah, the vast like a huge majority of us are dealing with that all the time. The idea of no more bodies in the family plot. Yeah, to not have your final resting place. And I was thinking about my grandfather too. You know, it's like him not not being buried in Ireland. And there is like, yeah, there's there's a pain to that that wants looking at. Yeah, yeah. I invoked the um, first song, and I bypassed these lines uh, that I want to now go to because uh, they are. Did I, did I really go to high school or did I just watch it on TV? Like Roadkill or Toys on a Grave. Something so sad you can't unsee. Not just death, but the ceremonial aspects of death are on your mind. Mm-hmm. Ceremony in general, I think, is... And I don't know how else to put... The performative aspects of life and death yeah. uh, seem to be a big part of some of your narratives here. Um, you're thinking a lot about... I really feel like you're thinking a lot about why we do what we do and how we present ourselves uh, in the face of madness on some level like, and how strange yes. some of these things are. Is that a fair way of looking at it? It's definitely definitely a fair way of looking at it. And I think, yeah, it's about thriving through chaos. You know, all my all my witchy friends or my, my, my witch friends and the people who have been on a sort of spirit, like a similar spiritual journey there's this feeling (laughs) there's this feeling of like we're figuring something out because i think the chaos is going to get it's going to get a lot more chaotic and i think a lot more people are going to want to turn to these kinds of understandings and they're a lot more kind than you know something like conspiracy theories or fundamentalism or anything like that yeah so I think, yeah, like it's almost like we're forging this path because I think, yeah, I think people are going to want to join. Yeah. Not to sound too culty. <laughs> well, no, I feel, I feel like your work, from my, the, one of the feelings it instills within me, and I think I could I speak on behalf of my family, is empowerment. That seems <laughs> to be a big thing with, it has a lot to do with what you write about and how you write, but I also, I've talked to you about this before, I think you're just such a very powerful performer and vocalist that it's it can't help the impassioned aspect it just i find it very empowering so i want to for whatever it's worth i don't mean to overflatter you but i want to commend you for that and i pick up on that on this record we've talked about authority a little bit we've talked about diy and punk culture i texted you about the opening of blessed touch and how much it made my wife and i in particular laugh and and the lines (laughs) are for those who haven't heard it yet he's in the other room trying to fix the washing machine but he's not a technician, so he won't succeed. <laughs> so he won't succeed. I'm sorry. It makes me laugh every time I think about it. Before I uh, theorize, can you just talk about what inspired that? And again, I, I'm glad you chuckled because maybe it's serious. I thought it was funny. Can you talk a little bit about what um, was going on when you came up with that? It's definitely it's 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 both serious and funny. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I think I. Yeah, it's, it, I don't think it was very funny at the time, but it's nice to be able to make things funny after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, like a deep lockdown 
moment of domestic struggle. And yeah, I mean, it, it quite, it was, it was the, it was a very real thing that happened. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was writing the song when my partner was trying to fix the washing machine and he had a broken ankle at the time too. And it was just like this, it, it, to me, it's just this snapshot of like, Oh, this is really, this is really hard. And we're all like, everyone's kind of going through just feeling like so trapped and like trying to like trying, trying out anything, you know, and everyone like the, the, the DIY home fix it videos on YouTube and everything. Yeah. I, yeah. I mentioned to you that I managed to fix our washing machine in Guelph many years ago. I, I was looking at him like, what the hell? I don't know how to do this. And I watched like a two or three minute YouTube video and I did it. I mean, I had to order a part. Yeah. Uh, but, but I did it and I felt amazing. Like I was like, <laughs> I tell that story all the time because I'm not, I don't consider myself handy, but the technology we have empowered me. And part of being empowered is feeling like you can try to do something out of your grasp uh, yes. or, or something you psychologically thought you couldn't do. And then when you get even close to some semblance of doing it, well, it's two things. One, you can just be like humble and be like, okay, I managed to, wow, I saved some money. I didn't have to call someone. I did it myself. But it can also create delusion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could fix anything. You know, I've encountered that too. Do you think there's something in that line here of someone being like, fuck it, I'm going to fix this myself, but you don't always succeed. And I think there's something about you both making a, making light of the lack of success, but also suggesting like someone's trying to do something. Is that swimming around in there, do you think? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And to his credit, he he would have he would he would have succeeded. It was it was an issue of the of the part. Um, <laughs> and he often does succeed at at home DIY uh, fixes. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely that's like and I also. Yeah. I mean, I think that we should always be trying to we should always be trying to fix things before we throw them out. Well, and I, I just want to emphasize, I don't, I'm not talking about this just because of the washing machine imagery. I mean, like, this seems to be <laughs> philosophically where you're coming from, where I come from, of just like, you have to try before you, you have to try, but also be smart enough to know, okay, I got to call someone in. I, I, I can't do this. I, I just think we're in a weird zone where expertise has never mm -hmm. been question more i don't need a professional photographer to film my or shoot my wedding we'll just get my cousin greg he does good stuff on instagram like it's just expertise is in a weird it's just diminished and we're seeing it across yeah. capitalism is failing and flailing and for some of us it's great but it is also disappointing to see like yeah the woodworking shop shut down because everyone's yes. just trying to do everything themselves all the time now and we're that's losing a, the real experts. That's what I'm saying. So sorry if I'm overreading this, but there's a there are levels of one of the tragic offshoots of something I believe in, which is DIY culture, is that everyone thinks they can do everything now and it's not done yeah. well. And we're also starting to see it. I don't know. As we're speaking, did you see this thing about these planes that are uh, uh, the windows are breaking and and midair no. and yeah yeah it's the, the sorry as we're as Nisa and I are speaking they've grounded all these Boeing planes because they frequently have these mechanical issues because 
uh, they asked and I think were granted uh, exceptions from safety regulations. And that to me is expertise. That to me is like yeah. we are attacking expertise and, and we've gone through three or four years of this now of questioning all experts and saying, fuck it. I don't have to do mm-hmm. this. I don't have to do that. You don't know what you're talking about. And here we are. And I feel like it's starting to infiltrate fucking flights in the sky. Did you not yeah. hear this? The window broke open. People, no one, That's, it's crazy. And I feel like it's, it's spreading. <laughs> yeah, sorry. no, okay. I think that, okay, I think as you're talking, I was thinking like there's a couple of, um, there's a couple of levels here. I think you're like, yeah, we're losing experts because we all think that we can do everything. And I think that there's two other kind of like aspects to that, which is we're setting ourselves up for more like humiliation and shame in a way. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, Oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be able to do everything. And you're not, you're not supposed to be able to do everything and you're not supposed to know how to do everything. And you shouldn't be, you know, it's great to try. We should all be learning all the time, but we should also be like, you know, cut ourselves some slack and know when to call in an expert. But I also think like our attention is spread so like we're spread so thin and we are like kind of fractured. Each one of us is so fractured in so many directions that people also don't feel the call or compulsion to get really good at one thing. Exactly. Yeah. So we're losing the experts because people just don't have the interest to become experts. Well, and I think becoming a generalist feels like you're, uh, if this thing fails, I got this other thing. You know, I can speak yeah. from my own perspective on that. I started out writing, got into broadcasting, and now all of media is crumbling. But I feel <laughs> like I can vaguely do both things okay. But yeah. I don't know if I'm an expert on anything. I don't know why. So, yeah, that is, in general, standards are starting to lower because mm-hmm. there's this this constant belief that you don't need to be the best at oh you know we got someone to build our house i'm sure they know what they're doing a year later why is everything falling apart like that's a common thing here they whip up yeah. houses really quickly and then within a couple of years cracks foundational issues we had it in this house like we bought this house and discovered all this shit anyway i don't have a grand point here but i feel like there's some of this is swimming around in, in what we're talking about and i I don't know if there's definitely. More. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think also, yeah, what you're saying about, you know, just like throwing up houses and I mean, yeah, maybe vomiting fourth houses. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, uh, I, I, yeah, I think we, I'm a very like, uh, you know, I've done like quizzes online about like what my values are because, yeah. you know, love an online quiz and I'm very like a uh, very much an aesthetic like my values are very aesthetic. So I really like, I really value the beautiful. And I think as Western society as a whole has really moved away from valuing the beautiful. And I think that's also, I mean, that that's kind of what we're talking about in regards, like expertise is beautiful, but like knowing, like building a house that is beautiful and meant to last, it actually, it actually makes it last. So yeah. yeah, when everything's gray and steel and shoddy, and it also depresses all of us too. We're all like more depressed. <laughs> I, I think so, and we're all more entitled too. I think technological mm-hmm. innovation has accelerated. Uh, like when I say, like they whip up when they vomit up these houses in a few weeks, 
that is meeting a weird societal expectation that everything should be done well and quickly. Whereas craftsmanship yeah. is usually about taking your time. And and so then yeah. that seems to be a weird part of this too. Sorry for dwelling on this. It's just I'm for what it's worth, your record is provoking these thoughts in me and I hope <laughs> others as they delve into it. I beyond your I, I just value you as a lyricist, I suppose, and I know I'm just one person and you're probably like, why is this guy writing an English essay about my goddamn album? But uh, I just want to know. I love it. Okay, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't mean to ramble on. One of the key uh, uh, distinguishing aspects of this record for me, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to go back to Girls Like Me, the sound of it. This seems, uh, mm-hmm. when I, as you know, when I, I think at this point, I've only ever seen you play with a backing track uh, at festivals yes. and, and musical things. This seems, is, this, is it accurate to say this is more of a full band record yes right definitely it's a full band affair yeah yeah incredible incredible group of musicians jay anderson brandon Lim, lucas chung jessica burgess and koza those are and uh brandon swanson those are everyone who was involved in that the making of the record and we recorded it at the bathhouse mm-hmm. which is in uh prince edward county and we like stayed over for a week which has always been like a dream to to just completely remove the outside world and just just record. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it was recorded live off the floor. I think most of the vocals were recorded. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the intention, but we wound up keeping the majority of vocals from like doing the full band takes. Oh, wow. That's great. So, yeah. Yeah. So it feels I think it feels yeah, it feels very live in that way now I, I invoked your previous album just to make sure i'm on the right track this is a distinguishing aspect from the previous record was that a, like i didn't look at the credits i'm sorry was that not a live band record no it was i mean um i had yeah jay also played drums and then my friend zach burgess played a lot of stuff yeah. Matthew Aldred. But I kind of what i did with what they recorded was treat it more like samples yes yeah yeah, it, it, um, yeah. So it's a lot of loops and a lot of, yeah, a lot of kind of like cutting, like cut and pasting. Yeah. And like I say, when I saw you, because it was just you and a backing track, I think contextually for me, it was like, Nisa is like an electro pop, you know, star in the making kind of thing. That was my instinct. This feels like you're more of like a rock star <laughs> uh, mode, uh, <laughs> like a rock and roll mode. And I hear references to the Rolling Stones. I hear like lyrical references Mm. to the Rolling Stones. I feel like Miss You is invoked on No More Bodies actually very briefly. Yeah, you caught it. Yeah, yeah. I heard that. (laughs) And then uh, uh, Neil Young's Farmer, Neil Young and Crazy Horse do Farmer John. And I know that's a traditional song. I hear that in this. I think that was the first single Everybody's Breaking Up. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just, again, the humor, sorry, I found that both sad and funny. Is that is that the right reaction? <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely the right reaction. I think sad and funny is uh, that's this. It's a sweet spot that I'm aiming for most yes. of the time. I love like a a joyful melancholy. You are very funny, if I may. I don't mean to just bring you on and overflow you, <laughs> but I find you very amusing and yet very thoughtful and earnest, and that is my sweet spot too. Of someone presenting something in a sincere way, but every once in a while you catch a joke. Like the line from what we were talking about with the washing machine. Like I was like, oh, there's a lot. We spent 15 minutes on that, so there's something substantive there. 
but uh, yeah. but I think it's also very funny. Anyway, yeah, there's the farmer. Yeah, well, I like the cheek. I like uh, I like I love tongue in cheek moments. I love yes. like a little like rascal glint in the eye, and uh, yeah, I actually maybe this is a good time to mention uh, these songs also. Um, all of them except for the hell I raise all came out of um, my friend in New York, Leah Hennessy, started a songwriting group at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, cool! So we would meet up once a week and uh, all share a song we'd written, and they're all such like everyone who is a part of that group. They're all very funny, and so I think we were all very inspired by by each other by each other's songwriting and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's cool. And and I what I hear is stuff like I was trying to invoke uh, the Stones. Just so I finish the thought, the Neil Young thing is the in everybody's breaking up is the ah uh, that do you know that Farmer John song at all or was that unconscious? Yeah, I do, but it was unconscious. Yeah, so do you know what I'm getting at? The Farmer yeah, John. Oh, and then that's am I? I'm sorry, I can't sing, but that's kind of part of everybody's breaking up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that was definitely that was unconscious. But which I mean, I love I love Neil Young. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he's definitely like you know you, you have a few. We all have a, we all have a few artists that are like they're just they're like a part of our biological makeup, you yeah. know. And Neil Young's definitely one of those for me. I, it just instantly. Sorry, you're not the. I just had water from your eyes on, and they do a thing, and it's more it's a more of an amusing. And deliberate story, but they invoke Cinnamon Girl on one of their songs. But it's mm. but they they asked if they could use like an interpolation, and Neil Young Neil's camp said no. So they they twisted it a little bit. And uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. and, and I, I like I say that song is a traditional song, but that is just something uh, that the way Crazy Horse does it. I I, I just instantly heard it. Uh, and thought that so that's funny that's sort of amusing to me that you're like oh yeah shit I didn't even know like it's just part of my <laughs> part of my being but yeah it's just it's just in there and then some of the guitar parts remind me of Springsteen like darkness on the edge of town era guitar tone and stuff like that so uh, rock music after your mm-hmm. like I say and I don't know if you would agree because it was a, a band recording on some level you had people helping you on the last album is there a reason you've shifted mm-hmm. out of what I would call more of a solo pop realm into the social convention of being in a rock band? Um, do you think there's something to that? Well, I mean, rock and roll has always been where I gravitated. And even like, you know, that my all my reference points for girls like me, I mean, most most of them were very much within the like the rock and roll or folk or like country realm. Yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, the production, like a very, like more, much more electronic sample based production. But I think wanting to do the band for this album was also kind of like a talisman against isolation. Yes. Yeah. And really not wanting to do this all by myself anymore. Yeah. That's it's a really interesting moment in time because we've gotten kind of used to people saying they made a record all by themselves and then they mm-hmm. put together some sort of band to tour it. But the notion of band chemistry, it for some people, just doesn't exist as much anymore. They put a band together, yeah. and then the next time they do a tour, could be a different band. It, it, it is a, again, it's a little bit of empowerment, self empowerment, and I'm going to do this. But I do miss mm-hmm. band chemistry. Like I've talked about this with other people. Like when a band reforms without original members, 
yeah. you know, usually and, and sadly it can be because people aren't around anymore. But when they do it, when those people are still around, it creates a slight bitterness for the fan base. Like, why don't you just ask yeah. Jimmy to be in the band? I'm just picking a random name. Uh, but band chemistry is a thing. Do you see yourself? I know schedules and whatnot and touring. I don't Sorry, we'll get to this in a moment, whether you plan to tour mm. in this weird time. But um, do you hope to keep this band that you assemble together for as much as you can, for as long as you can? I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, the reality of touring with a six to seven piece yeah. and these financial times financially difficult times yeah. is uh yeah no that i mean I, I that's not really possible um so yeah and i mean i think also it kind of like what it did was open the door to just being able to collaborate with with more people and i you know i've started i've started collaborating with 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 some other people as well so yeah but i when you're talking about band chemistry i think the big ingredient that's missing when you don't, when you aren't playing with other people is like fun. Yeah. And yeah. And I think being in a band, obviously, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it and it's honestly, it's a relationship like no other. It's somewhere between romance, friendship and family. And it's like, it's completely its own thing to people who've never been in bands before. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a strange thing. But I do think one of the like, yeah, the, one of the biggest things is like, is, yeah, it's fun. And you can't, there's only so much fun you can have on your own. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, yeah, the more, the more a band is enjoying themselves. Yeah. The more, like the more chemistry kind of arises, but you know, there's certainly like, there's so many bands where the members like absolutely hate each other and still have incredible chemistry. Yeah. It's a business, but they, when they get on stage, like they're, they're almost uh, disparate business entities on stage. If you look at it from that frame, but then they start playing and you're like, Oh my God, like yeah. I can't imagine this band with anyone else. And I can't imagine these people even playing with anyone else. And when they, yeah, it really crystallizes when people do solo tours and solo records, and they don't do as well. People are so addicted to the brand name of the band on some level too. Like it's it's so interesting to see the same artist who plays close to an arena have to play like a mid sized club when they're on their own. Like that's that's yeah. a strange. We're weird. People are weird, is what I'm getting at. And uh, yes, <laughs> all this to say, people are weird. I really appreciate you as an artist letting us into your journey uh, spiritually and the growth and the kind of um, self-effacing like on werewolf uh, there's these lines about how you're coming of age and and older all of a sudden mm -hmm. than people in your peer group you're suddenly and that's fascinating like it's just funny how time flies and how we relate to time and I feel like there's a lot of that swimming around in this record so Again, for what it's worth, I just I, I don't want to embarrass you with praise, but I just want to thank you for making the work that you make because it moves me uh, emotionally, but it also, for, I hope I'm not alone, it gets me thinking a lot. And I just want to say I'm not a bright guy, so I like being provoked to think. And uh, I just want to say I appreciate you and I thank you for, for this work. It's It's really wonderful. Oh. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for saying that. And it was really, it was, it's, it's my pleasure. Yeah. You're, <laughs> it's my well, pleasure to make it. <laughs> That's great. So I invoked Turing 
what's sort of next for you in the foreseeable future? I know you're coming to Alberta, which is exciting. And I don't know if you're bringing yes. a band per se. Can you talk about your upcoming plans? Yeah, I'm playing um, Calgary and Edmonton for, I think it's Winterruption and Big Winter Classic, January 24th and 25th. Mm -hmm. um, and then I am coming, that'll, those shows will be three-piece shows, so it'll be kind of somewhere in between the, the tracks and the full band. I'll have a drummer and um, co-vocalist guitar oh, cool. player with me. And are those Jerry the only, Jess. Oh, that's awesome. Are those the only shows on the horizon? So those are the two shows, and then the album the, on the immediate horizon. The album comes out February 1st, and I'll be doing kind of like a smaller, stripped-down uh, ritual show at um, my friend's studio in Toronto, um, Studio Buddy, um, because the release of the album intentionally lines up with a, a pagan holiday called Imalg, which is like Groundhog Day is probably the it's like the new, the secular version it's like the first glimmers and hopes of spring and uh it's traditionally a time for making vows and uh undergoing initiation so oh. it feels feels like good timing so yeah that, that there'll be a, a little party to celebrate that and then planning a bigger release show for march or april that's still putting that together and then um hasn't been announced yet but i am going to play the great escape in Brighton in May. Okay. In England. Okay. So there will be some shows around that as well. Oh, excellent. That's great. Are you writing again since you made this record at uh, the bathhouse? I have been kind of purposefully not writing because of the way my attention works. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, I get very excited about new songs and yeah. I, you know, immediately want to just put all of them in a set. Um, and I want to make sure that I allow these, the songs on this album to have their proper life. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I tracking my, my cycles of creativity in this very witchy way, I do feel like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to start writing again. Oh. So I'm on the, I'm on the cusp. So you put like yourself that. in the witchy cycle and that's like uh, uh, almost deadline driven. Like it, it, you're like, uh oh, I'm in, I'm technically I should be writing songs. I'm in the witchy part of the I'm in the part of the cycle where I should be writing. <laughs> I think it's more like I'm, I'm I, I, it's, I have gotten good at tracking like a certain mania. <laughs> ah. um, and uh, when I can like I can kind of feel yeah, I just feel more like a light with creative energy right now. And um, that's something that I might I might not have like before I started tracking cycles and seasons. I don't know if I would have like put two and two together and been like, this is really you should harness this. You should put this into yeah. into writing. So but now I know. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm going I'm going to harness it. And I also have sort of noted that it these these periods of creativity tend to actually be when the weather is colder. Right, um, right. I'm much more creative in, like, the colder months. Right, because there's not as much to bring you outside, I guess. Exactly. You might as well yeah. woodshed and, and work on stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, it's all working out for me and, and people who enjoy your music, so I'm glad. Uh, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. It's working well, and uh, these records are so great. So, yeah, Thursday, uh, February 1st is a Thursday. I was just glancing at my calendar, which is 
uh, not a traditional uh, record release day. So I appreciate you uh, explaining that that's why it's coming out on February 1st. There's a there's a, a connection to the stuff you were just talking about, which is cool. Uh, and it's out on Six Shooter Records, as I as far as I know. Is that- it's out on Six Shooter. Yeah, yeah. Yes, on Six Shooter. And they're very, um, I'm very grateful. They're very uh, uh, accommodating for my need to align myself with <laughs> the pagan wheel of the year. <laughs> That's good. That's great. That's uh, they're a little pagany themselves, if I might say, having a longstanding relationship. Absolutely. No, that's cool. Um, so as people are hearing this, your record's not out for a couple of weeks, but I wonder if we can go out on a song. I didn't even ask you why it's called "Shake Me Where I'm Foolish." What does that mean? It is a line from a Carl Sandburg poem. Oh, poems from 1928, and the poem's called baby song of the four winds and it's this kind of bluesy beat invocation of the the four quarters the directions the elements and yeah i just i just felt like it really it was a perfect mantle for the body of work okay i appreciate you explaining that and sorry for the uh, late incoming question um (laughs) But I, I I felt like there was something to that, and I forgot to ask you about it. So it, what I was saying is uh, the record's out in a couple of weeks as people are hearing this. If we can go out on a song from the album, I wonder if you can pick one for us and maybe tell us why it came to mind. Yeah, let's go out on Blessed Touch because it was, yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's a winter song. I wrote it in January and so it feels like it feels like January music and I think it really um I'm calling it pagan gospel and I think it really kind of it sums up a lot of the the things we've been talking about with adopting more magical thinking to transform the mundane into something meaningful and just alchemize domestic strife you know yeah Oh, that's very yeah. well put and uh, beautiful performance by the band and yourself on, on this song as well. It's it's quite moving. Let's hear it now. This is uh, Blessed Touch by Nisa. Nisa, thank you so much for being uh, back on this show and making time for me. Uh, it means a lot and I wish you the best luck in the future and I hope we uh, talk again. Thank you so much, Vish. washing machine but he's not a technician so he won't succeed how do you get other people to just be okay to not feel annoyed or defeated by every little thing Give it to 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I tell you, my whole family loves listening to the music uh, that Nisa makes, and I love talking to her. This is the second time she's been on the show, and I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I love this album. Thanks again to Nisa for appearing on this, the 833rd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available almost everywhere you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can like or follow or whatever uh, me and Creative Control all, all over whatever still stands of social media. There's a link in the show notes that says follow Vish online. So click on that. Follow me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or uh, Blue Sky or Threads or whatever. I'm on those things. I have to update that link tree actually now that I think about it. I keep saying that. I haven't done it yet. Anyway, that's uh, that's what you can do if you want to do that. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to support me financially and the work I do on this show. Uh, I love doing this show. Uh, it's getting harder to find the time sometimes, and uh, I'd like to make it a going concern. So if you'd like to see me make this a, a, a going concern in the future, <laughs> then please visit my Patreon. Uh, $6 American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. You get episodes earlier than everybody else. $10 or more a month gets you into some uh, monthly prize draws. It's January 2024 as I'm speaking with you, and we have a lovely six-record prize pack courtesy of Beggars Group Canada featuring all sorts of great uh, artists. Yola Tango, Kurt Vile, Fucked Up, uh, uh, Water From Your Eyes, Emdu Mokhtar, I'm Forgetting Someone. I'm sure I am. Did I say Kurt Vile? I don't remember. There's a bunch of people. Anyway, that's the kind of stuff I'm starting to give away every month to the... Well, give away. It's a draw. It's a prize draw for people who uh, enter the Patreon there. Support the show on Patreon. So again, like to support the show on Patreon, please do. Patreon.com slash creative control. Thank you so much. Also, thanks again to the uh, fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music. Bricks and mortar locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta. And you can learn more about them and how to order records and stuff at blackbird.ca. Also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Also want to thank Jim Guthrie for uh, always lending me some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Nisa. I love Nisa. Love her work. The new album's amazing. Check out that album. Uh, subscribe to this podcast or follow it or whatever 
and tell your friends to do the same if you can and spread the word about creative control and i will talk to you very soon be well stay warm it's winter as i'm talking to you and it's been a cold one we'll talk soon bye for now softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.